Hey friend, Graham Baldwin here with The Speaker Lab. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if someone gave you the exact process to find and book more speaking gigs in 2024? That'd be nice, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna do that for you. We've created a new 18-page guide based on Dan Irvin's process that helped him actually book over $100,000 in speaking gigs in the past year. Now, Dan is one of our uh, team members here. He's this, a very successful speaker and also one of our coaches. And so you're gonna learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, proposal emails, and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. What's up, my friends? Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. We are glad you are here today. We've got another great guest, another great podcast episode and interview for you. Today, we're going to be talking with my friend Connie Albers. And, and Connie is someone who's been in the speaking business for many, many years in a variety of different capacities. She's worked with Disney. Her story with Disney is actually really cool. I think you're going to enjoy that. But then also, she's worked with uh, the, the homeschool market, with nonprofits in the church world. And so we dig into uh, several different pieces here with her. So we talk through, uh, especially about the nonprofit market and the church market, and just debunk the myth that nonprofits don't have money to pay for speakers. So we talk about that right out of the gate here at the beginning. We also talk about determining which nonprofits have money and which don't. We talk about uh, opportunities that exist in nonprofit and faith-based markets and how you actually find those. So a lot of great stuff here for us to dig into. So let's not waste any time. Let's jump right into it. Here's my conversation with Miss Connie Albers. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, my friends? Graham Baldwin here. Hey, today I'm hanging out with my friend, Connie Albers, who uh, has got some wisdom to share from the speaking industry, especially as we're going to be talking today about nonprofits and faith-based. I know that a lot of people are interested in speaking in that world, so we will be uh, digging into that today with Miss Connie. So, Connie, how are you today? I am doing great, Grant. Thanks for having me on the show today. I look forward to talking with you. You bet. We'll appreciate you hanging out with us. So let's start with this. I always like to hear, like, give us kind of a snapshot of who Connie is and your your experience in the speaking world. Well, you know, I began speaking. I didn't realize it was public speaking in the second grade. You know, everybody has a story where they began. And mine began in the second grade when I got my report card. And how most kids look at the grades, I don't. I turned over to look at the comments. What did the teacher have to say? As if she was evaluating my social skills. And she said, you know, Connie's a great student, but she needs to sit down more and not talk as much in class. Because I just had a tendency to find out how everybody's doing. That led to me at a very young age. I was still like right out of school. I was working for Walt Disney World and I had this desire to become the Walt Disney World ambassador. Nobody told me that I couldn't. And I thought, just go for it. And it was, so I interviewed, interviewed in front of all the vice presidents of the company. And it was a great process. I was selected to the top 10. I did not make it to the number one spot. I did not become the ambassador, but that opportunity allowed me to represent the company as an ambassador. And I would travel doing radio and TV and mayor vis- mayoral visits. And it just springboarded me to working with celebrities and dignitaries and VIPs and, and everybody. And that's where I got the bug for public speaking is I would love to be able to communicate a message very clearly and articulately so that it was well-received. Yeah. So we uh, we both share that love of uh, Disney, and you uh, you now reside in Orlando and have uh, continued to to frequent there, right? 
I do. We are one of the lucky ones that have annual passes. So that is just what we do. You know, where does everybody else go out for a date? We go to Disney. <laughs> That's awesome. That's cool. How do you then transition from, all right, you're doing something with Disney. You're representing them. You're speaking on some on their behalf. It sounds like at that point, you've got the bug. How do you go from that to like, where do you go next? What do you want to do from there? Well, then you have to decide, is there a burning message inside of me, which I know you speak about often is as a communicator, do you really have something to say that's going to add value to somebody else? Or do you just want to get in front of people and talk? And there's a big, big difference. And for me, I knew I had that in me. I wanted to make a significant impact. I wanted to change culture. I wanted to change and help other people. So from that, I just kept honing my skill, practice, practice, practice. And that led to me going over to another company with Estee Lauder. And I was real passionate at the time for women, especially because, you know, women struggle with the same thing. I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not thin enough. I'm not enough, enough, enough. And I just got this in me to say, wait a minute, I have this background in communication and public speaking. I wanted to found a branding company. So I became an image consultant and I just studied inner outer beauty and how to teach, really how to teach women to express the beauty that they have on the inside, on the outside and do it in five minutes. So I worked for Estee Lauder and that's what I used to do. A lot of retreats and corporate events. And I helped women segue into either the marketplace or to their career and feel good about themselves. So that's kind of how it began. And I loved it more and more. Now my career's changed over the years because I had the opportunity to homeschool my kids. It was a merging opportunity for families. that wasn't quite legal yet in many of the states. And I thought, okay, it's time to put that communication skills to work. And so I was very involved in the homeschool, forging that movement, working with legislatures. So I've been able to work like across platforms in a variety of different fields that gives me a great opportunity to kind of identify with different speakers. Where is it you want to go and how do you want to get there? And then this is the strategy we have to come up with. Gotcha. Very cool. So you're working with the homeschool uh, industry and homeschool market. What has today become a a very big market, in fact? It's a $2.2 billion industry. That's crazy. And and there are conferences and events all over the the U.S. and I assume around the world on the topic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so is that kind of your, as you begin to step into more doing stuff with the nonprofit world and with the faith-based world from a speaking perspective, is that where that transition started to take place? Yes, but I've always gravitated and everything I've ever done has been to be involved with leadership. So with homeschooling, I stepped into leadership. Let me help form, create, and run an organization. Let me run the largest homeschool conference of 15,000 in the world. And let me book and manage speakers. Let me book speakers. You know, we had 125 speakers. We would have 450 vendors. We'd have to secure room blocks. And then I started saying, you know, more and more people were asking me, how do I do this? How I have this in me, how how do I communicate well to an audience or how do I pitch myself to an event planner or to the decision maker or gatekeeper? And that's kind of how I segued is I've always been in leadership. I've always been a communicator and the two just naturally blended together. Now I currently work with LifeWork Leadership. So I'm one of their coaches and I help leaders across in various platforms, profit, nonprofit, faith-based 
really hone their ability to articulate and communicate a message and find those opportunities where they can get paid and learn how to pitch themselves. And so they do get what you have achieved. Like you have achieved, I think I heard you say you've spoken 500 different events or places and made millions of dollars. I think that's most communicators dream and that's their desire to make a living doing what they love doing with the message that God's given them. Yeah, totally. Now let's talk about the nonprofit world for a second, because that's something that definitely you've got some experience in. And it's something that is definitely a huge market and opportunity for speakers to look into, but it's also one that has the, I guess, a reputation of they're nonprofit. They don't have any money. They're broke, you know? So how in the world could they afford their own overhead, let alone to afford a speaker? So what are your thoughts on that from a financial perspective for speakers in the nonprofit space? There is money there. You just have to know where to go look for it and which organizations do have it. So when we talk about this grant, my first thing is do your research. Start attending local events, local nonprofits. Start going to the Chamber of Commerce lunches. Start to get to know those people because the people that go to the Chamber events, they are usually business leaders and or influencers of some sort. And they know other influencers and other leaders around the country. So start local. And then start asking questions. Ask your friends. There is money. There are. It is true. And and Grant, we as we go through this, we can talk about which organizations are probably not going to have any money to to hire you with an honorarium. But if you have a product or a membership or service that you can sell or a product you can sell, then that's how you can regain you know your time. That's how you can account for the cost of being away from your family and you know pay your bills and stuff. So I say, keep your ears open, go local, really start local first, get to know who your leaders are. And after, after you've kind of built a rapport, maybe ask them to lunch, make sure you pay for the lunch for their time. You know, it's just a gracious way to be able to, to tell them, listen, I'm just not trying to pick your brain for nothing. I value your time. I know that you are a person of influence and you could maybe give me some good direction. When you do that, I grant you've probably seen this. The goodwill is incredible. When they know you're looking for something and you're acknowledging that they probably know people, there's a lot that happens in that relationship building aspect. Don't you find that true? Yeah, absolutely. And and I'm curious then, let's say we go through these steps. Okay. So we, you know, there's a kind of a nonprofit niche that we want to reach out to and that we connect with some local, you know, nonprofit executive director and we offer to do lunch with them. How do we approach a lunch like that? Like what's the win there with, uh, I think oftentimes we feel like if we're trying to connect with someone that we're wondering like, what do we bring to the table? It's clear what they bring to the table. They have, you know, they have relationships, they have connections, they may have uh, the ability to open (laughs) doors for us, but we're kind of going like, why would they have any interest in us as a potential new or emerging speaker? Well, that's where you do your research. Know, like, kind of get a feel of who they're like. Uh, I'll just use the Chamber of Commerce because every city has a chamber. With that one, do your research, kind of find out who their speakers have been in the past, what industry. So, if your market is financial or you're inspirational or you're motivational or you're medical, whatever your niche is, see if they've ever had anybody or recently, maybe they had somebody in your niche a year ago, but they haven't revisited it now because they don't want to bring the same person back. What I do is after you attend, find out who the people are. It doesn't take you long, but I would say observe 
introduce yourself. Hey, I'm so-and-so with your company's name and practice that elevator pitch. People make light of that, but your two to three minute elevator pitch, two to three sentences is critical. Know who you are and what you do and be careful that you don't do it all. Like I have to customize every pitch that I make because depending on which market I'm going to, they have to know I know what I'm talking about in this field. And I think you would agree. It's really important because if you're big on, let's say, finance to seniors, Mm -hmm. it's not very likely that a college is going to bring you in. But if your niche is finance to college students or high school students or parents trying to get their kids through college debt free, then you're going to pitch yourself to a college, right? Right. Or when you're at the chamber, you're going to look for people that would fit your niche. So it could be anything from girls and boys clubs to ASHRAE organizations to insurance conferences to medical conferences, depending on your skill set. You introduce yourself. You know what your elevator pitch is. You ask them nothing that first time. You ask for nothing other than it was really nice to get to know you. I'd love to keep in touch. Then if they have a card, take it and follow up with an email. That's critical because you want to keep yourself in their mind. They're busy. They leave the luncheon. They leave whatever that conference was and they forget who you are. But that nice little email saying, hey, it was great to meet you. I love talking about such and such. And I will tell you a tip that I have been doing, and I will share it with your audience because I think this will benefit them. As we travel, we get super, super busy and our brain starts to just fill and information leaks out, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So what I started doing is it's very common. I'll take a picture. I'll say, hey, let me get a picture with you. Not for social media. I don't post it saying, look who I met. I keep it. And I label who that person is. Interesting. That's and smart. that that is my calling card. So what I do is when I email them, I send them that photo. I loved meeting you. You looked great in that dress. Or I loved your comment about X Y Z. And it was it's they love it. It's it helps them remember who you are as well. Yeah. I like that. Very cool. Okay, I'm curious then. One of the things that you mentioned on the 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 nonprofit side is that there are certain you know, niches and kind of subcategories within nonprofit that have money and some that don't. So can you kind of talk us through the differences between the two? How do we know which is which and which ones are worth pursuing, which ones may be, you know, a, a waste of time? All right. If you are looking to get paid strictly from an honorarium, mm-hmm. that's what you need to, you need to consider and break down truly what your costs are to leave your online business to be able to go to this conference. And you have to weigh out what is their attendance, Will they let you have a speaker table in the back of the room? That's a big money maker for for speakers. Mm -hmm. Will they promote you beforehand? Will they sell audio of your presentation? Will they give you any of the cut of that, which normally they don't, but uh, will they do that? And then what you do is say, "I, I weigh the cost. Is my exposure to be able to say, I spoke here worth me saying, I don't need an honorarium. Can you just cover my travel? If you can cover my travel or if you can cover my hotel room, what you need to realize is these organizations, they have money, but it's very tight. It's tightly um, doled out and you have to make a strong case for why you're worth the money for them to fork out. And that comes down to one, your, your media kit, 
Your media kit's really important. And how you present yourself, whether you are introduced by a friend like Grant, I call you and say, hey, Grant, I really want to break into this market. Do you know anybody? Sure. Call so-and-so. And then, or let me, which is my, my favorite way, let me make an introduction to you. The other day, I had a big conference planner ask if I knew some event planners in a certain market space. And I said, absolutely. So I wrote her, I got her permission first. I wrote her and I said, hey, I really love to introduce you to so-and-so. He would like to interview you. Are you game for that? Absolutely. When you can get somebody in like that, then that gives them an opportunity to say, all right, I've got past the, the initial flags to let's talk about this more. And then to answer your question more direct, Then you have to determine, once you have sent them your media letter, your query letter, hey, this is why I would love to come and speak to your group. These are what I think I can, how I can add value. This is why I think your audience would connect with my message. Mm -hmm. Those types of things that get them thinking. And that's why you want to attach your media kit, because that immediately gives them something to go look at. They have to remember event planners are busy people. They don't have a lot of time to research. They also hear, I can't tell you, Grant, how many times I've had people send me, hey, your conference is, I know your conference is coming up next month. I am a great speaker and I'd love to speak at your event. (laughs) And, you know, you kind of turn your head and think, I picked my speakers a year ago. So, for example, this leadership organization that I am working with, we laid out our luncheon speakers a year in advance. That means we did all of our research. We found out what their honorariums were. We made several inquiries and the negotiation process takes a while. So be thinking of that. Now, I realize your basic question is how do we know the difference between if they have money or they don't? Well, unless you have somebody who is connected, that's going to be hard for you to determine. You first want to get them to believe you're worth having. Once they know you're worth having and you are going to do a killer job. Their audience is going to be so glad they landed you and had you come like Grant, if I could have you for one of my events and I could afford you, what, you know, I want to do that because I know you're just going to do a killer job because your reputation, because what I know and, or have heard, or I can research about you. Now, if your company, if this nonprofit has a board of directors or an executive director, they know what their budget is. And sometimes if you can make an incredibly good pitch, they'll find the the little extra thousand or or 2000 or or they'll figure another way out. Maybe they'll say, hey, such and such hospital, we've got this great speaker coming in. Will you pitch $2,500? Will you pitch, will you give us $5,000 for the speaker as a sponsor and you sponsor this speaker? Does that make sense? Yep. Yep. And then that doesn't come out of your pocket. You still get paid. It comes from them. They're working with it. That's because we want grant. We want you to be at our event. And that starts with the dialogue. It starts with first wetting their appetite that you can deliver what you say you're going to deliver. And that is the biggest important task of it. How would you go about doing that? Because you're, you're exactly right that if you can really prove to a, a company or a decision maker, a nonprofit or, or for-profit, that that by hiring you, by bringing you to come speak, that you're going to offer so much more value than what the check is going to be. 
How are you proving that to them? Especially if you're a newer speaker or you're getting started and you're still, it's not like you have the huge reputation to go off of or, or some huge name that precedes you. So how do you go about demonstrating to them or proving to them that, yes, I'm absolutely worth every dime that you would spend with me? Okay, you got to get some street creds. It, very few people are going to be able to step into the, so, into the public speaking world without some miles under the tires. And that's why I say go local, because local you can afford. You can afford a three-hour luncheon to go speak. Once you've spoken there, get a testimonial. Get that the executive director to say, man, Grant was awesome. Anybody looking. And then you, after you get that testimonial, Throw that up on your website or include that in your media kit. Right. This is what so-and-so said about my presentation. Always ask if they're going to be recording it. And if they're going to record it, get a copy of that and make sure that recording is good. That way, when you're pitching yourself to the next one, oh, here's my media kit and here's some audio or some video of me actually speaking and the crowd listening or laughing or engaged, taking notes, something like that. That's really important. If you have nothing, you got to start free and then you got to just keep building, keep building, keep asking for references, keep asking for testimonials, ask the audience to write something and give it to you. You can do that very casual, especially if you're capturing email addresses. Listen, I'm trying to do such and such. If you'd like to help me share my message with others, let's say you're, you're really big on supporting a human trafficking, sex trafficking. That's a big cause for you. Yeah. And you go speak at, Love does with, with Bob Goff. You speak mm -hmm. for something that he does and you get something that says, listen, I recently, you know, I'm looking to do this. I'm passionate about that, this cause. Will you give me a testimonial or a recommendation, something that I can use to tell them it resonated? That's really important. Now, as you gain and popularity and you get more bigger events, even if your bigger events aren't paid, I think you and I have done probably our fair share of non-paid speaking gigs sure. because we're learning to build relationships with other speakers. We're learning to be get our name known in the conference circuit by conference planners, event planners, whether they're the owners or the executive directors or they're the event planners. You still want to get your name known by them because their weight is invaluable. If you have a good conference planner that is well-respected, this woman is big in the medical community, and she does high-level, dignitary, White House, foreign country events in the medical space. If she gives me, if she gives me a recommendation, she's highly known. All I have to do is say, I've worked with so-and-so. Oh, you have. Oh, you must be good. So there is that level of perception as well. So you have yeah. to be, use all, leverage every experience and opportunity and asset that you have, but do not, and I'm going to emphasize this, do not as an event planner for 15 years, don't embellish. Yeah. You'll be busted. And then that'll ruin everything you've been trying to do. So be authentic, be honest. You don't have to say, this is my first speaking gig. And I guess the next thing I'd say, Grant, is don't be desperate. Desperation reeks inexperience and you don't want that. You want it, you want to speak, but you can't be desperate. You can't come across as desperate because right. that hurts your negotiating process. Right. Okay. I want to cover a couple of things that you mentioned there. One of the things that you touched on was the, there's some niches and categories within the nonprofit space that pay and some that don't. You mentioned the chamber of commerce as a, as an option. What would be other like 
like just big kind of verticals or niches within the nonprofit space that would be some options. So if, if I'm going, you know, I'm interested in speaking to nonprofits, I'm just trying to figure out like what's, what all's on the buffet? Like what are the options that, that would exist in that market? Okay. So there's different nonprofits. You have your faith-based market, which would be denom- look at denominations, you know, yeah. different churches of different denominations. There's many churches of denominations and, you know, not thinking about maybe coming and speaking to their church, unless that's your, your niche, but maybe to the leaders of the church, or maybe let's even go bigger than that. Let's think about going to their national convention. Their national convention has speakers from all over and in all different, you know, not just within their denomination, but with different messages of leadership of team building, of volunteerism, you know, various things like that. So in the faith-based world, you have your getting into a church, which is a nonprofit, your local churches, and then you have your national level. And you could even go higher than that with international organizations. You've got your Christian Radio Broadcasters Association. I mean, there's look, I always tell people, start looking at the big, big conferences. The Radio Broadcasters Association, the writers, the publishers, the totally went brain. A variety of different media. Yeah, yeah, uh, Christian retail publishing, you know, things like that. Right. There's, there's that. They have money. Where you're going to struggle with getting money is the smaller organizations, like the local church. You know, they may be able to give you a love offering, and yep. you know, Grant, I think you'd probably know. You know, sometimes love offerings or donations or hey. I'm just here. If you want to, if you want to get this tape for $10 or you want to, you know, help pay for my road, my trip, you know, a lot of times if, when you're getting started or even not, even in big, big assemblies, that love offering could be quite substantial. People are generous. If you deliver an amazing presentation, people will pull out their wallet or the pocketbook. So that's the whole faith based side. The other side would be your your insurance agencies, your leadership organizations, your hospitals, your political, like even with political, they have people come in and give presentations. I can give you one that's public service. It's not nonprofit, but it's public service. You could pitch yourself to your local political party Mm -hmm. and become a speaker at their local state or national conferences for various things because everybody is looking to grow somewhere. And if you have an area of growth that they're looking for, so high schools, colleges, hedge funds, banks, any business or inst- and I know those aren't all nonprofit, but any organization, Rotary Club, Vietnam Vet, Wounded Warrior Project, just the list is in, is endless. I would start with research online. I would start looking at Red Cross. I would start looking at other organizations. Just do a Google nonprofits in your niche and you'll get a whole list of it. Start making a note. And then it'll take a little bit. I know Nick with the ministry Life Without Limbs, Uh when he tells his story of getting started in public speaking, he just talks about the rejection and how it started and how the first time he made $50, he was so excited and he thought, oh, I made $50. Maybe I can do it again and make 75 or 100. So he talks about just getting on the phone and calling, Hey, I'm so-and-so with such and such, and I am looking to do this and that. Do you have a need for my service or do you know any other organization? So always be asking them, do you know someone? Is there somebody else that I can call? This leadership organization that I'm with, Grant, 
it started with me going to a chamber of commerce luncheon. Didn't know anybody. I just knew a friend who knew the director. We went to lunch. We chatted. He asked me what I was doing. I said, I'm doing X. And he goes, oh, well, we want you to speak. Okay, great. And then from that led to, well, do you know about this leadership? Because I speak to leaders. Do you know about this? I said, no, I don't. He goes, well, I think you need to check him out. Here's the number. And that that led to some really cool opportunities and some wonderful meetings from influence. And it all started with a lunch. So yeah. never discount the little things and the little conversations. And the chamber, $50, $75, big money, no. But is it, you weigh it out. Did I answer your question? Yeah, yeah. And one of the things that you touched on earlier that you were kind of alluding to there was also that oftentimes as speakers, we look to either you got a check or you didn't, but there's a lot of ways that you can generate income or revenue from a speaking engagement, whether or not you got that check. So you mentioned, you know, whether you have some type of product or service or connections or doors that they could open for additional potential opportunities. So yeah, it's always good just to determine what the value on your time is, but look for other ways that you can be compensated beyond just whether or not you, uh, you got a check there. So yeah, a lot of great right. stuff that you shared. So let's do this just to kind of like wrap up and put a bow on it for someone that's listening going, Hey, I'm interested in, in, in speaking in the nonprofit or the faith-based world. And and I have, you know, I have a rough idea of my topic and I'm just trying to figure out what to do next. What would you say would be some of those early first steps that they should take? Drill down, get your message clear, be able to practice it and deliver your elevator pitch without a problem. That's going to be key. Know what your message is. Have a list of five. I really recommend five topics, a little bit varied. Let them know if it's a keynote or if it's a featured or if it's a workshop presentation. It gives an event planner. Make your list of who you want to pitch yourself to, and then start making those contacts. Hey, Grant, do you know anybody over at Social Media Marketing World or wherever you know Grant happens to circulate? Yeah. Hey, do you know anybody over there? Tell them, this is what I'm doing. Grant, hey, listen, the, if I send you my topics or if, can you make an introduction, that's the next thing. After that, determine what your costs are, your real hard costs. And is this worth losing money over to make the connections that you need for the next? Or do you have to sell books, have a service, have promotional opportunities, whether it's them promoting you online at their conference, whether you can capture the email address, which you can usually you know, capture the email address, where can you funnel them to? An email, can you funnel them to a service, a membership site like Speaker Lab? You know, hey, everybody, Sign up for Speaker Lab. Grant's going to give you all the information that you need to get onto the next level. Will they do that sort of stuff for you? Because that is a very intangible way to build credibility, respect, and bigger speaking gigs. So that, and then don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to ask the event planner for ways that they can pull from, say, their marketing budget to give you hotel room or ways they can pull from their food budget to supply some meals. The event planners, if they want you, they know their budgets and you don't. And so by asking them and they're like, well, what do you charge? Say, well, you know, before we talk about what I charge, unless you don't want to speak there, then just ask them, you know, well, before I talk about the budget, tell me what you need. Let me make sure first that I'm a good fit for you. I don't want to waste your audience's time. So those are some of the highlights and never discount, always follow up. And that would, I would close with that. 
always follow up with an email or a gift and not like right after the conference because they're exhausted. Yep. Yep. But like a couple weeks later, and I'll close with this. I landed a, a, a new position because I have five kids and we homeschooled them and they all went to college and they all graduated college with zero loans. We had no college prepay and it saved us the way we did it, the way our system, we worked it with our five kids. We had kids in college for 11 straight years and nine of those years, we had two or three in college and everybody graduated with no, I mean, they graduated with no loans or debt and we didn't have debt either. And people got wind of that. The school got wind of that and they wanted to interview our family because they've never had a sibling group of five do this and it saved over 500 grand. So I will tell you that opportunity and them wanting to film us led me to take a position with parents and families with a philanthropic organization at that university, helping other parents know how they can do this college gig without going into massive hawk. So I say, how does that all fit in? Because never negate an opportunity that comes along your way. You just don't know where it's going to lead. So always be thorough, always be thankful, always express gratitude for what they did and always ask them what they need you to do for them so that you can make their event successful. Beautiful. Very well said, Connie. Uh, well, thank you again so much for your time. We appreciate you sharing your, your thoughts and insights here from your experiences. So if people want to find out more about you and what you're up to, where can we go? Well, they can visit me at ConnieOffers.com. I run a ministry called Equipped to Be, or they can follow me online at ConnieOffers.author. That's my page. And, uh, or they can email me and they can, that's ConnieOffers.com. I take a few clients, coaching clients, and I, I work with some. I don't have a lot of time to take a whole lot of people, but yeah, I'd be happy to help answer anybody's questions. But I just say, Grant, thanks for having me. You do a great job. I respect the work that you do. And I know your audience gets a lot of value from your time. Cool. Well, thank you so much for the kind words. And uh, we appreciate you sharing your, uh, your, your time with us today. All right. Well, Godspeed. I pray. I hope everybody does a great job of booking those speaking engagements. All right. Thanks, Connie. All right. There you go. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Miss Connie Albers and uh, definitely good stuff from her. Again, I would encourage you and challenge you to take action on what you've learned here. Don't just listen to it, but do something with it. Take action, take action, take action. All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.